0: Broadcasting high atop of Florida's Peninsula, 108 feet. You are listening to And I'm your host, Alpha Mike, episode number 96. We are talking about a subject that law enforcement officers sometimes take for granted. They believe it's just my common speech. How I talk on an everyday basis. Fact is, I even talk like that at home. But we are going to look at, is that going to get you the convictions that you want? So it's going to open up a little bit of your eyes. A lot of people know about this stuff, but they really don't care. Recently, we've seen in the media, and this is our next episode Number 97, we have seen how social media can bite law enforcement officials in the backside. As we've seen, the left has successfully learned how to take out not one or two law enforcement officers from an agency, but a whole or half an agency based on their opinion. And I'm not going to get into that right now because that deals with First Amendment, this and that, <clears throat> and that's a separate show for number 97, episodes 97. But today we're going to talk about the what I've titled "potty mouth policing," and um, should be of uh, an interesting subject to with a wealth of information. How do you get in contact with us? Well, you just dial RaiderCopNation.com and there you will find us. We are on every platform, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, YouTube. You can find us on a lot of those uh, social networks via our RaiderCopNation.com page. But you won't find us there. You'd have to go to Parlor. Parler, which is a new social media, P-A-R L-E-R and there you will find us under, get this, Raider Cop Nation. Of course the ad sign. And you can uh, meet with us there. A lot of people are making the move from Twitter over to this new platform uh, Parler and uh, they like what they see so far. Takes some use, you know, some time to get used to it, but Worth its weight in gold. Coming up in the um, near future, I'm going to have a podcast where I'm going to talk about the giving up of Facebook. And uh, a lot of people say, "How oh, you can't do that? You're not going to be able to to survive." What What happens if you leave social media? And we're we're going to discuss that in the future podcast. But that is uh, one of my plans. It most definitely is. Um, you know, you get these memory things on Facebook and they tell you, you know, uh, three years ago you post, four years ago. And sometimes you see things, you know, you've been here eight years, nine years. It's, um, to me, outdone itself. It's outlived itself. It's turned into the VCR. It's turned into the 8-track. And it's time to bury it. Um, A lot of people live their life uh, through Facebook from early morning to late in the evening, getting the latest gossip on everything. But in our future show, we're going to show you how you can stay in the Facebook community. But uh, as far as posting anything or being uh, active, that uh, you're going to put kind of like on the wayside. It does the body good, just like milk. Remember the old commercials? Well, giving up Facebook could help you out too. A lot of people live with that nosiness. They just, they're like old ladies in in the laundry room, in the wash house. They got to get a good scoop and they can get it through Facebook. And that's a shame. And of course, there's the haters out there. How dare he say that about women? Well, I did. Sucks to be you. All right, let's start roll into the leadership quote of the week. I am not afraid of an army of lions led by a sheep. I'm afraid of an army of sheep led by a lion. Alexander the Great. Leadership is it inherited, or are you born with it? Huh. Think about that. Now, as just before we end the, the episode today, I'm going to tell you the lineup that we're going to do last show in July and into August. You probably wonder, well, where are my superheroes? And um, there's been some, uh, I'll say it, have been some shameless requests from some of our co-hosts to uh, can we extend the summer. So, of course, we're going to go ahead and do that. So uh, I might bring in one um, to come on uh, maybe in August if they're available. But uh, the rest of them, I'll go ahead and give them a breather. We'll start and kick it off in, in uh, September. But, and I know I said August, but, you know, it is a summer. A lot of them are looking at four more weeks before the kiddos go back to school so understandable now just before we end the program I want to talk about what that line is going to be doing research for those episodes and I've got Kendall the infamous Amazon Kendall and you used to have a little tablet that goes with it well nowadays you know you don't need that anymore that's old. Well, what are you talking about, Alpha? I I brought one last year. Yeah, well, it's old now. And uh, nowadays, you can just download the app on your smartphone of Kindle, Amazon, and you can get the stuff delivered right to your smartphone and you can read it from there. So that's what I've been doing. Haven't been able to put down the information. It's overwhelming. The author of this material that I'm reading said in several interviews that it is so emotional for some people that they can't put down the book. And I said, well, that's a lot of hogwash. It's 600 pages, by the way, too. And uh, he was right. There are some names that are popping out on me, and I know who they are. I did not know the history it, is, it deals with um, uh, the county that I worked for as well, and the city I was born. It is a fascinating read. It will be part of our Wise Guy series, and uh, we will release what those uh, storylines are going to be, with those episode titles, at the end of the show, and... I really encourage you to stay tuned for that because you're going to learn some things that I'm learning. And uh, I've always been pretty astute when it comes to organized crime, even before I got involved in law enforcement. So I've always kept on my toes with that. But uh, some of this information... Uh, you, you, you've you heard about in the past, but you really didn't know all the particulars, and all of a sudden you, you get a book. It's got 600 pages of the particulars, and you are wowed. And if I'm wowed, you'll be wowed as well if it means something to you. All right, so I think I've bored you enough, like I always say, and it's time to get to the main course and the main event Start the circus. Have you ever heard someone speaking in public that every other word out of their mouth was some type of horrible curse word? It was, get ya out of your, you rats right now. Don't move. It's amazing. And it happens on an every day. Not only is it distasteful, It's sometimes straight out embarrassing that you feel embarrassed, especially if you've got people next to you that you're embarrassed for them even more so, and they're just a walking ball of potty-mouthing. I remember uh, just before I retired, my assignment was that of a training instructor, and I was uh, lateraling as a TA, I was uh, lateral officers coming into the agency. They were already certified, but they had to take uh, the agency's equivalent of an academy, and I was the training advisor for that. And during the end of their course of studies, they would be greeted by the union And in this particular case, they had the vice president of the union came down and he wanted to speak to the new officers joining in the importance of being a member of the union. Now, I'll tell you my personal opinion. I agree with the union. I believe that there is a necessary place for it, especially in today's law enforcement, because the... Agencies ruled by a lot of outside people that are not sworn, that have never been in an academy, and that to me is a scary thing. And if the union is what can put them on the high and mighty and straighten them out, then I definitely want the union in my corner. So I'm not advocating against the union, but this uh, individual, when he showed up, right off the bat, I think the third word out of his mouth was F-U. And it just preceded the F-bombs were just flying. And I had known this individual for a while. This wasn't really new to me. I've heard him in social um, settings dropping an F-bomb here and there. But on a professional setting, as a representative of the union to incoming officers, which are your customers, every other word, I knew that uh, this was going to be a problem. I thought being a vice president and a lieutenant at that in the agency, he had a little bit more smarts, but boy, was I wrong. And uh, I approached somebody else in the union and discussed it with them and said, listen, this is a no-no. We have written policies in training that this type of language is not used, only used or to be used in a training setting as far as instructional material. Now, he goes, I know how this works. Whoever here is flunking or isn't going to get the high five to come into the ranks for whatever reason, it could be anything, they're going to look back at that one event and the party language, and they were insulted. So the individual agreed with me, said he would talk to him about it. And it, it, we went back to the straight and narrow. Uh, later on, on a break, he wants to give me the, um, the Cuban lingo of uh, macho, you know, that uh, he didn't think I would uh, put him out there. And I said, listen, apparently you're under the impression you didn't think I was going to go there. But after you leave and you getting your county vehicle paid handsomely by the union to do nothing, I have to deal with the complaints that are coming three, four, six, eight weeks later. And I'm not having it because it's no place for that type of language in a professional setting. The only time it should be allowed in that professional setting, this specifically I'm talking about a training, if you're doing training. When I was an acting supervisor within that uni, there was one of the instructors came to me And he wanted my opinion and a little bit of my blessing on using vulgar words, doing a specific training where he played the bad guy. Well, I I thought it would be appropriate. Um, And I said, well, you know what? I know how this gets. Let me just check with uh, Larry Curley and Mo, and I'll get back to you. And boy, did uh, Pandora's box open then. It turned into uh, Senate uh, committee meetings and, uh, and judicial investigations. And uh, you think uh, the Russian probe was bad. You should have seen this one. The end result, uh, they never really got back to us. And I gave him the thumbs up and a green light. And he potty mouth his way through there with rave reviews on all the evaluations. Because the officer said in their comments of the evaluational part of the course that he made it a realistic setting. So there is a, a, a time and a place for that. But that's under the umbrella of a professional setting. The other one would be where here's the complete opposite. Sometimes you would write a incident report so detailed that you would actually say the words that were used against you or against somebody else because you heard it, and you would add them to the incident report only to have Mother Hubbard uh, as the shift or watch commander not liking those words and saying, you don't have to get into this arena. And there I always disagreed because those words are spelled out professionally so the reader gets a caption of the hostility at the time of the event. It's called a lived experience. And we'll talk about that one day in the future. But there's also another setting where that can come into play. And that is when it's being transmitted from your body cam or another uh, recording device being picked up necessarily with the bad guy saying, but also you, the officer. It doesn't mean that it would be in a professional sense heard by administrators of your agency or uh, let's say lawyers doing a deposition hearing it or a jury it wouldn't really sway them one way or another it would tell a story but when that story now or better said the offender is the officer themselves it's horrible let me let me get at the point i'm trying to make i've seen way too many videos Well, let me back up a little bit and make my disclaimer, my official disclaimer. I have never been or never been a part of or there is any evidence of me being in any type of body cam setting as an officer. Didn't exist, wasn't a part of my career package. The guys that came after me are being suckered into that and I know there's pros and cons to body cams. A lot of people will try to swing at how good it is. It's an intrusion that is not needed in law enforcement circles. It's because people want to lie and testify against the officer and the agency that these things have pretty much been created. But to sit here and say, well, you know, it's a good tool. No, it's not. It's not a good tool. It's a freaking nightmare because as an agency head, every time they roll one of those things on the 5 or 6 o'clock news, you don't know what your officer is going to spit out of his or her mouth. Maybe, possibly, embarrassing the agency. So there, we're taking out of the professional setting now that the officer, and I'm tired of seeing this over and over again on YouTube and all these other feeds, where the officer actually turns on their body cam and then proceeds like if they never had a body cam and throw F-bombs left and right. They're violating, just off the top, two or three agency policies. One, demeanor. Two, uh, acting professional and cordial at all times. Three, when you got the body cam, they probably told you about. Be mindful that the body cam is on. And I'm also sick of the argument that I constantly hear. Well, I don't know where you work, bro, but this is uh, this is how we talk out here in the real world. You're morons. Listen closely, put your ear to the speaker so he can hear. You're a moron because you didn't do that in the academy. When the judge tells you, you know, uh, or, or, or you go to court and they tell you, raise your right hand, <coughs> state your name and badge number and so forth, you don't F and throw the bomb before you throw out your name, do you? So you know when to act and when not to act. So making up an excuse that that's professional, that's the way I am, and I have my First Amendment right, look, get it into perspective. Take a breath in. Breathe out. And realize people are getting hammered for posting some nonsense on Facebook. What makes you believe that you can actually potty mouth on video and tell on yourself. Literally, tell on yourself. You yourself are the snitch. You're hitting the button and then acting like a complete ass. Oh my God, that wasn't professional. How did he say that? <clears throat> a p- complete jacket. I stopped there, okay? So there has to be a filter. Now, going back to my original story, I talked about the union and all that. In the agency in Miami-Dade, we had two cultures. One culture kind of forbidden that type of language. You never heard it from a subordinate, uh, subordinate, and you never heard it from a superior. Of course, in casual conversation, talking to somebody— a couple of f bombs have been known to drop from, let's say, my former range master, but it was in a conversation, not so much a professional setting. But then there was another culture that they started and ended their day with an f bomb. It was all I, I, I would, I would hear them and I would say to them, and they're commanding officers and all the way to the top, and I would say, do these people have filters when they go home? Or, or, you know, do they just let the F-bombs fly? Grandma's there, who cares? He just lets them go. There has to be some etiquette and decorum to your speech because that type of behavior is contagious. You'll start F-bombing all over the place. Before you know it, you don't know where you're at. Before you know it, you let one go. Have you ever done that? I was an F-bomber. I was a professional F-bomber before I met the Lord. And I would let them go left and right. Oh, I could tangle with the best of them. Let me tell you, I was up there. But I later started trying to correct myself once I got saved. And every once in a while, I would go, and I'd stop. Or I'd slip it out and go, whoops. And all of a sudden, I'd catch myself. And it's difficult because we're creatures of a habit. If, if, if A and B are doing it, then and you're C and D's thinking about it, well, C's going to jump in too. So we're creatures of what we do. Institutionalized behavior is an agency problem. Too many times... What is seen on video, um, body-worn cameras are basically being ignored, slipped under the rug. What's the big deal? It's just common speech. But let's look at, in the perspective of a jury trial, and this arrest that the officer did, a uniform officer, was of, let's say, an individual that uh, I carry out uh, a first degree felony such as a murder and because of let's say a traffic stop it's all hypothetical what we're talking about now it led them to the arrest of this individual and let's also go a step further this individual is a very powerful organized crime figure with a whole lot of money and attorneys which are Eagerly, The lawyers are eagerly awaiting a trial so they can go ahead and, on technicalities, get their client off. So you turn on your body cam, and the first thing out of your mouth on this, let's say, felony traffic stop is, uh, let me see your effing hands. Lower the effing window. Give me your effing license and registration. And it turns into that magical arrest later on. I'd say, well, how does that weigh on the evidence? It doesn't. What it weighs on is the jury pool. So if I'm a defense attorney, okay, and I look at a pool of jurors, guess who I'm getting? I'm getting this nice little old lady that does community service at the hospital or at the church. and I'm going to put her on the jury and they're going to hear your potty mouth. And they're going to go, Oh gosh, he needs to have his mouth mouth washed out with soap right there. You're swinging the jury. And believe it or not, folks, that's a lot of what attorneys do. Sometimes they, Their first attack is through the evidence or the lack thereof. Second, they go ahead and they concentrate on the testimony of an individual. Let's say they give pretty good facts as to the evidence. Then they besmirch their character later on, let's say, on some personal matter, such as, how many children do you have? And then you spit out three. And they go, really? Are you sure? Is that a correct answer? Well, the last time this crackhead thought about it, he said, yeah, yeah, I got three kids, yeah, yeah. But see, he doesn't know if you're asking him currently or my whole life. And all of a sudden, you know the answer because you're that shark with a $1,000 suit and a Rolex and the Jaguar parked out in a, in a garage. And you know that the answer is six. So you go, that's it. That's the only kids you have. And uh, yeah, yeah, that's all. So uh, how about A, B, and C? Are they your children? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, got it? We just painted a picture to the jury that you're not a reliable source. Now, is it a 100% guarantee that your client's going to get off because this idiot doesn't know how many kids it's poor? No. But that prejudice is there. So starting off an encounter, and again, I never had the pleasure or the privilege of working with body-worn cameras, but during my career, we did work with cameras, mostly fixed cameras, and we were nervous about it. We were talking about the early 90s. We didn't really like it felt it was an intrusion, and um, we didn't trust the higher-ups either looking at it. So it it did place a very uncomfortable feeling. And I remember that I saw a video early on when they first started this, and the video feed was horrible. I'm talking about medieval time horrible. You'd see a frame, you see the guy walking, and all of a sudden he's not walking anymore. You're like, well, whoa, whoa. his foot was still in the air. How the hell did he end up there? Because like a frame of the video would just disappear. So I did some research on that, some case law research. And as I've stated before, that's what I used to do in my unit. That's what the assignment was given to me by my superiors. And I would find certain things, and i I go, yeah, I don't think we really have anything to worry about because look what it says here on this case law and that case law. And technically I was correct. They never used any of that film uh, against anybody that I know of. They did look at it. They did chuckle a couple of times on some videos, but other than shits and giggles, it wasn't really used for any prosecution. But the cameras were there more during that era, to spook the officers because of certain things that were happening. But we always had at that time a saying to newer officers when they came into the unit, act and imagine, if you, if you could, that you had the camera right here on your shoulder and it's watching every move you make during your shift. Little did we know 25, 30 years later, these body cam things would show up. I escaped it. Never got to see it. Not very disappointed that I didn't. I could have dealt with it because I dealt with it in the early 90s at a different level, as I stated. But I could see how I could play head games with you. It, and here's another thing that it does. It presents hesitation. And this is why you see a lot of deer in the headlights with officers on these videos that pop up on YouTube. They're second-guessing themselves based on their body cam and how they're going to be judged or based on people filming them with their smartphones. So now they're hesitant. They can't even compose a sentence without stopping and thinking for 15 minutes what the next word's supposed to be. That hesitation, I get you killed. So I believe that if you start off based on how you were trained in the academy and you mellowed through that your whole career, you should be okay. Now, of course, a lot of people, when they graduate from the academy, the first thing that they're told by their field training officers, the unofficial ones, not the official training officers, is, a hey kid, look, uh, that uh, little whippet book you got in the back pocket, get rid of that. And all that crap that taught you in the academy, that ain't real world. We're going to teach you real world. And you start believing it. And that's a mistake. What you learned in the academy is your foundation to make you and build you into a better officer. Taking the foundation of the house And pushing it to the side is called foolishness because then your house that you're building, which is your entire career, is built on sand because you decided to move the foundation. It's a mistake. And I'm tired of seeing these potty mouth police officers on video. They know they're on video. They don't care. They let the F-bombs fly. And there's no way in God's green earth when they got to go back to headquarters and go see their superiors that they're in there grabbing their crotch, telling their superior, well, that's the way I roll. That's the way I talk. That's not going down that way. I know it. And you that are listening know it's not true. They're sitting, snapping attention, and they got the little pucker going as they're Superior is letting them have it. Now, when I say superior, I'm not talking about your, your, your corporal or your sergeant. They're kicking it with you during your whole your whole shift. I'm not even talking about your lieutenant because they could be your watch commander. And okay, they see this on a daily basis. I'm talking about rugrats. I'm talking about the ones in the high chair, the high chair commanders. The cubicle commanders, the guys that will fix anything from a laptop, that guy, captain and above, scary. Some of them haven't been on the job in so many years. It's a wonder how they know how to get to headquarters. They've lost themselves in the process. They became a bureaucrat, a pencil butcher. They don't really know what's happening on the operational side. Of course, they act like they do. But a lot of the language, a lot of the protocols that they're seeing officers do is foreign to them. It doesn't mean anything. I remember there was a time where the agency wanted to, you know, get... Whenever they start nitpicking, the first thing they nitpick at is your uniform appearance. So they came up with the, uh, the belt clips or the belt loops on your duty belt. And there was, uh, you know, supposed to be four and blah, 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 and da, 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 da. And so a lot of the old timers, they would look at their belt and they'd go, look, this guy's not either either, he's not carrying any or he's missing one. And this was coming from a person that had the rank of captain at the time and um, he retired at the three-star range so you could see what part of the solo sphere he was, you know, part of the solar system he was at. And in conversation with me about it, I told him because, you know, old-timers, when you came on, they would tell you on your, on your belt loop, take, tip, take that belt loop off, and you could put it in your wallet. So when an officer dies in the line of duty, you cover your badge with it because it's black. And you heard crickets. They were so far removed from what was happening, it, it was like foreign to them. Oh. So, you can't get caught up in that. So, the potty mouth behavior is getting a lot of people into problems. Now, how do we correct it? First of all, any encounter with a citizen should be done in a professional manner. I'm sure 99.9% of the agencies in America state that. So, let's get down to that one basic fact. Remember, and I'm going to kind of close with this. This is a short series. It it it's more than a training aspect, which it is in, in a way. It's a bitching session that I have because I'm just tired of the potty mouthing. But let let's uh, do this. You in any encounter that you have with a civilian, which would be part of your policy, you conduct yourself in a professional manner. Remembering, here's the key, pay attention. Take your crayons and your cardboard boxes and write this down. Who changes the rules of the game is the dynamic of the subject. I'm going to repeat that for those that are impaired, limited. The one that dictates the change in attitude is the dynamics from the subject sir good afternoon good morning good good evening have your license registration do you know why i stopped you f you you it doesn't give you a license to jump in with the f bombs either but the more i record this guy and i play nice and he plays bad it might take Genius here. Several minutes to figure this out. Some of them may never figure it out, but they're performing for the camera. We're reversing roles. We're making the bad guy look bad, while the good guy looks good. You take your barrage, you slam them on paper, and you've got the material on your body cam, and you can use it. Is it painstaking? Yes. Is it hard on the body? Yes. Is it hard on the ears? Yes. Will it make you less than a person? No. Here's another fact, and I'll close with this, that I used to tell officers when I taught use of force on report writing in a use of force event If I wrote in an incident report, subject came at me with a broom handle or... Let's take the weapon out of it because it confuses it with their fist. Okay? Subject threw a right hand towards my head. And I go ahead and I write my section. I countered his attack with my left hook hitting him, and then I describe where I hit him. You see, when we write, we're always the champion. We're the movie star in the movie. Would it make me less of an officer if I said, subject with his right fist, hit through a punch, connecting, hitting me in the top temple, and it hurt? Wow. Wow. Make you a little bit smaller, but it makes you huge, huge when it comes to the reader because you're becoming that lived experience. It goes a long way. Be that professional officer. Remember what dictates the change in the environment is the subject, not you. Don't you be that guy. And as soon as you get out of the car, you don't know how to act. I see it too many times. Uh, I just saw recently there was one, I'll try to find it and post it on uh, the show notes. I believe I can find it from the uh, Miami-Dade Police Department where this uh, officer had an encounter with somebody called in as a victim. And the next thing you know, She's on the ground getting handcuffed. It was just stupid from the good go. He was having a bad day, the officer. Bad day. But the bad day cost him his career and an arrest. It's unfortunate because there was a little bit of potty mouthing going on then too, but he had a potty brain. So sometimes we don't have potty mouths, but we have potty brains that during the encounter with the citizen, we're already conceiving how we're going to screw the citizen because I don't like him. No place for that. You got to go with the school of hard knocks, make your life a lot easier. That's why we die so soon. We make everything difficult. Chill out, relax, go for the ride, do your job, make a friend. All right, as I told you, and at the end, I would tell you about the upcoming lineup and the excitement I got. We are going with um, this episode in ninety six, and the, July seventeenth, and that is potty mouth. Then we're going to go into social uh, networking, which is episode ninety seven on uh, July twenty fourth, the thirty first of July. Episode 98, we are going to feature the Tampa Mafia. Now, I'm pretty excited with that because that's really going to lead us in to where we're going. Uh, remember episode number 95, we discussed uh, disorganized crime where we had the Russian mob, the Cuban mob, and part of the Colombian cartel involved and in how that was all disorganized. and But now we're going to start focus on those groups. So I'm starting off with the Tampa Mafia, and that's going to lead us into August. We're going to do episode number 99 and 100. will feature the Cuban Mafia. And that is... Uh, it's really, like I said, I cannot put the book down. It deals with New York City. It deals with, for me, it might not be any emotion for you, but for me it was. It deals with where I grew up. I grew up in Washington Heights in Manhattan as a, as a, as a younger child, and um, so I'm reading that. It talks about uh, Union City, West New York, New Jersey, right across uh, the Hudson where my uh, cousins lived, so I had been there very time. So I know the the, the place and Bergenline Avenue and the Waterloo Restaurant and all this. So that was exciting. It deals with my former uh, county agency. It deals with uh, a lot of parameters. I, I learned so many things. Some of it was during my career, which rumor. Nobody would really confirm it. You know, some old-timer would give you a story. But you you didn't have anything. You know, sometimes you didn't know if they were talking, just half-bagged, and they came up with it. But then you read it. And then I'm reading this book, and there's a part in the book where they talk about an officer in Union City, New Jersey, But when I looked at the name, I go, "Hey, that wasn't in Miami-Dade. Just same name. Wow, wow, what a coincidence!" And later in the book, I discover it's the guy that worked in Miami-Dade. Prior to that, he worked in Union City. So to me, it was an emotional aspect of that. It also talks about uh, Cuba. I didn't experience that. My parents were Cuban. Are Cuban. My dad's still around. And uh, the Bay of Pigs, I had family that was connected to that. And uh, so a lot of it was very emotional to me. I cannot put the book down. Literally reading the book from my smartphone, walking around. I'm walking around my house. Walk, uh, by the other day I'm buying stuff at Walmart. And I'm just reading. I, I'm eating this stuff up. So look for that. That'll be episode number 99 and Ninety-eight. All right, let's uh, wrap up our episode here today, which is episode number ninety-six. All right, we've put the nuts and bolts on this. And we're going to close this out. Be that professional officer as you learned in the academy. Use that as your foundation. Build on that foundation during your career to create the perfect house. Do not disregard what you learned and use it. Use it to the best of your ability. Every encounter with a citizen should be that much higher. Why? Because the person that's going to change the the particulars of that incident is going to be the subject, not you. If you keep that in the back of your mind at all times, you won't have hesitation because we know that hesitation can get you killed. It has been my honor and my pleasure to be your host on Rated Nation. As always, continue to pray for yourself, your family, and your community also and importantly for the agency that serves you and never forget to continuously keep our great nation the United States of America in prayer this is Alpha Mike I'm out and guide her through the night with a light from above from the mountains To the prairies, to the oceans, white with foam, God bless America. 22.